the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 233. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Stella. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of October 1st through October 14th. We have some news to cover, and we have three books to cover, including the last issue of All-Star Batman. So let's jump straight into news. So the very first thing we have comes back at the beginning of the month. There was a interview that Josh actually did at New York Comic Con talking with Tom King. Now, the majority of the interview is stuff that if you had read the latest issue of Batman, which we did talk about last episode and we will talk about this episode as well, both of those issues he actually talks about in the interview. But one of the things that he mentioned is that the upcoming story arc, which is not the one where we're ending the story arc here, but the next story arc, which as you're listening to this first issues out, he actually revealed that he had to lie about the solicitation in order to try to throw off readers to so they wouldn't know whether or not Catwoman said yes or no. And I will say that I was one of those readers who was thrown off and thought to myself, well, based off that solicitation, we're probably not going to see this actually happen, even though I wanted it to happen. That solicitation basically read as if he was going off because he was returning to his grumpy old self that's all alone and secluding himself from everybody else out in the world. So he actually admitted that he lied about it. I'm sure you know, in some regards, I know that if solicitations are incorrect or are adjusted from the final material, DC accepts returns from retailers on that, but I don't think they'll have an issue selling Batman, which is repeatedly one of the one of or if not the top or in the top five books every single month. So definitely be checking that out. But basically, he he revealed that Holly Robinson, who we know is the one who's actually a mass murderer who killed 237 people, who Catwoman has taken the blame for all this time. She's been hiding out in the Middle East, and she is with Talia al Ghul. Uh, so one, Talia al Ghul is back from the dead. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, you were reading Batman Incorporated and know how that all ended out. Um, but she is back from the dead, and Batman is going to be confronting her about the engagement in the midst of trying to track down Holly Robinson, who just happens to be coincidentally paired up with Talia for the time being. So that's what we can actually expect in this next story arc that's coming up, which was kind of cool that he revealed that. He did reveal a lot of these details uh, in the interview the next day in the panel, but for the time being, it was exclusive to TBU, so that was pretty cool. It does make sense, too, if you think about it. I mean, you got to clear Selena's name if she's going to get married to, I assume, Bruce Wayne in public, right? And Holly was the the missing murderer, so I guess we got to deal with this story before we can move on to the nuptials. And by the way, I'm totally okay with them lying at solicitations from time to time. It's better than what's what I think it's actually preferable to have you lie to me in a solicitation than to totally ruin a story. Agreed. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. Like, I'm okay with. All it. right. So then 
Outside of that, there was a bunch of other little tiny news bits from New York Comic Con. We had an article on the site that was basically just a roundup of all the stuff. So I'm just going to kind of quick fire down some of these highlights of some of the news that was revealed. There was a Batman panel that specifically happened at New York Comic Con that had a number of creators attending, but there was also a couple of other panels that weren't necessarily Batman related. There was some, there was a Justice League one, there was one for Dark Knight's Metal, there were some other panels that were involved involved with other other creators that not, weren't necessarily at the Batman panel but are involved in the Batman books. So this is basically some of the things that you can look forward to in regards to the upcoming Signal miniseries. It it was previously solicited, but now is actually the the previous solicited is have been canceled and it's being resolicited with number one in January. So instead of coming out with the first issue in November, it got pushed back till January. There was no real explanation as to that, but that's happening. Um, Cully Hamner described Duke Thomas's new suit for his alter ego as all slicked up. It was never the intention to have Duke take over the role of Nightwing or Robin. He was always meant to be his own character on his own journey. It was hit home again that the signal very much owns the Gotham streets during the day, specifically a new he- new neighborhood perhaps even you know his own burnside not burnside itself but his, his own, own little place yeah his yeah. own little neighborhood sense. of gotham yeah. in terms of batman and catwoman tom king knew from day one what catwoman's reaction to bruce's proposal was going to be going forward the relationship will be central to the book talia is none too pleased with batman and catwoman's engagement expect a fight between the two women over in Batman White Knight, we have uh, Sean Murphy. He said he was heavily inspired by the animated series and the Tim Burton films. Batman White Knight will include newly designed versions of Nightwing and Batgirl. Murphy already has a sequel idea for White Knight if it's successful enough. Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. James Tynion says that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 series, he said that he grew up with the Turtles and with Batman, but being able in the first volume to bring the Turtles into Gotham City and unleashing them and the Shredder and the Foot Clan was a lot of fun. He also said that Bebop and Rocksteady are going to get their hands on Bane's Venom in this next volume. Over in Detective Comics, expect him, Drake, to make his escape from Mr. Oz, which we have already seen. Tynan describes the book as basically an X-Men book starring the Bat family. Tim Drake's return in the storyline A Lonely Place of Living is inspired by his origin, as well as Tynan's love of the character. Over in the pages of Batwoman, Marguerite Bennett was attracted to Batwoman because she's a screw-up and was also inspired by how the animated series allowed its female characters to be flawed. Scarecrow's role in the Batwoman series is to bring to the surface her insecurities and flaws. As far as All-Star Batman, Scott Snyder saw All-Star Batman as a break from the main title and the pressure of constantly topping each story he told, as is expected in the central book of the line. His goal was to tell a story featuring a variety of villains and was pleased pleasantly surprised by how well the book sold and then just a bunch of other stuff that was mentioned starting january 31st dc will team up members of the young animals with well-known dc heroes specifically of note mother panic will have a mother panic batman special no word on whether it will be the normal creators of the mother panic series or a new writer and artist but that's coming out sometime in mid-february scott snyder and uh, sean murphy will be teaming up for batman last night Uh, That's a story that they originally had planned for All-Star Batman before the end of All-Star Batman was announced. Uh, That's the story that they had been planning to tell. Snyder gave a few hints on the tale, saying that Batman suddenly wakes up and he's young, but he wakes up in this post 
apocalyptic wasteland crawling out of the sand in this Gotham City that's been ruined. He's got the Joker's head chained to his belt, but it's alive, and like, you gotta move, kid. It's also got old Wonder Woman, baby Superman, and he specifically said that it's like his lone wolf and cub Batman story. (laughs) He also said that that will be his final Batman story for quite some time, meaning that he doesn't have, he he will still be working at DC and things like that, and he could still tell stories where Batman is involved, but that will, that will be his final Batman specific story, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, after his work with Snyder on last night, Murphy will go back to working as a writer and artist on future projects instead of collaborations with other writers. Murphy had specifically made a point that he enjoys being a writer, but he wants to do his own projects. You can also expect to see the core Robins and Batgirl show up in the future Detective Comics arcs, and then a new origin for Clayface is coming up in the upcoming annual for Detective Comics that will be released in January. If you are interested in seeing some art, There is a gallery of art for the upcoming Batman Lost one-shot that's happening as part of the Metal event or Dark Knights event. So you can take a look at that as that's over on the website as well. So that was basically all of the conglomerate of all the news that occurred. Honestly, I didn't feel like there was a whole ton of news, but getting the little hints here and there and like having the ability to actually like listen to or hear some of the things and the excitement that the writers have. And I've said this before, sometimes we've had panels at comic conventions where the writers just seem to be like, I'm here because they're forcing me to be here. And I'm answering these questions because I need to, not because I want to. But like genuinely, it felt like because Josh, who was actually at New York Comic Con, he was live streaming the panel on Twitter for the site. And while he was doing that, I was watching the panel and thinking to myself, they generally feel enthusiastic about what they're doing, which I appreciate very much so because I want to have creators who are enthusiastic about being on these titles. So, well, yeah, I think you have to. You know what I mean? I mean, without it, I think we all can tell when certain creative teams have gone past their expiration date and they just want to move on. So I don't think you want to have that happen here. But there's a lot of interesting news. The news is always kind of... I think there was so much of DC that was focused on Doomsday Clock this year that I think that's where a lot of the quote-unquote news happened with Jeff Johns' big reveal of the first, what was it, six or eight pages or whatever it was. And Snyder's last Batman story for a while does sound kooky. Uh, I do wonder where they'll put him at at DC Comics, but I don't know. Maybe Wonder Woman's what I'm, what I'm thinking. All right, so then just one other interview that Josh did while he was at New York was he talked with James Tynan about Detective Comics. Uh, you can take a look at this, but take a look at the interview over on the website. But just some of the highlights that happened from this interview. He talked about the Cassandra Cain Basil interaction. Would it lead to a potential love connection? He specifically said no. So any of you who are trying to ship those characters together, please refrain from doing that in the future. Oh, wow. He also elaborated that uh, the there's a big Connor moment, which we'll actually talk about shortly, uh, that happens in Detective Comics, specifically relating to Connor Kent, the previous Superboy who has yet to appear as part of Rebirth. So you can take a look at that as if you want to see about some of the other details that are happening. But it's definitely an interesting interview. We talked a lot about a lot of things in a very short amount of time. So definitely check that out over on the site. Other bit of news to come on October 11th, it was announced that Harley Quinn will be getting a creative shakeup as Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor announced their departure from the title. They basically said that despite the success on the book, 
They have been doing this pretty much nonstop between the main series in the New 52 and the main series in Rebirth, as well as the countless specials that we've seen over the years. They've been doing this pretty much nonstop for about four years, and they've decided that they want to take a break. They're not saying they're leaving DC by any means, and they're not saying that they are leaving and never going to do another Harley Quinn story, but they have decided that December marks the end of a story arc that they're currently working on, and with that, story arc ending it is a perfect time for them to take a break and potentially as they put it spend some money that they made on the book fair so fair that's happening as far as the new creative team not completely new frank terry will be taking over writing duties he has done a couple of stories here and there as co-writing stories with the current writing team of connor and palmiati and artists Anakai Miranda will actually be taking over the art on the book. John Timms, who's currently on the book as the artist, he will also be leaving the title with Connor and Palmiati, but I think that's more due to just because there's a shift with the creators, or at least the writers it is, then I think that DC just tends to yeah. have the artist switch up at that time too. So I wonder what the tone of that book will... I wonder if it will stay the same, or if, you know what I'm saying? Because it's definitely got its own unique tone to it. I wonder if it stays that kind of groundwork that Palmiotti and Connor put down, or if it becomes more of a normal... Because that book is kind of... I know it's not technically outside of continuity, but it feels like it exists in its own world. You know? I wonder if... Yeah. I wonder if they... Because, I mean, in fact, if you look at what's going on in Suicide Squad and Harley Quinn, it's hard to imagine these things are happening congruently. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe... I'm just wondering if they try to fold it back into normal continuity a little bit, or if they let it just keep doing its own thing. All right, and then the next bit of news we have is on October 12th, there is a new one-shot that was revealed for the Dark Knight's Metal event. This one will actually be called Dark Knight's Rising the Wild Hunt, and will have writers Scott Snyder, James the Fourth, and Joshua Williamson, along with artists Doug Mank and Ivan Rice, among some others. This will release in February, focus on the multiverse world of the Batman Who Laughs, and the tale will have a team of heroes rives up against the new regime. The group that forms is pretty interesting. It includes Flash, Cyborg, Raven, and Detective Chimp. <laughs> How do you like that? And now, obviously, those of you out there who are heard say Detective Chimp, whoop, whoop. It's also interesting because outside uh, Detective Chimp was also made an appearance in the last issue of Dark Knight's Metal. Drinking at a um, bar. That's num- a true statement. Issue number three. Yeah. Um, but there was also... Um, Scott Snyder had made some comment, I want to say about a month ago, about Detective Chimp being a character that he appreciates and feels is underused. And at the time, I thought to myself, well, I wonder if he's just going to make appearance in Dark Knight's Metal. But obviously, the wheels were already turning. He was probably already working on this one shot where Detective Chimp will be a one of the main characters amongst the team of heroes that is taking on the multiverse Dark Knights. So that is coming also involved in that one shot will be the Metal Men. Obviously, that makes the most sense because it's metal and they're metal. So guess that's it. Perfect crossover, I suppose. You almost think they couldn't resist, right? Yeah. Metal Men, Dark Men. I mean, that's almost like yeah. had to happen. That's true. All right, so then just a couple of other real quick things, nothing really super important to mention here. There's a number of different things that have that DC has released. There is one with Tom King talking about Batman's proposal, 
prior to the proposal reveal actually occurring. There was also a video that featured a number of the Batman creators, including Tony Patrick, Sean Murphy, Frank Miller, Tom King, and James Tynion at Google in New York talking about 75 years plus of Batman. So you can take a look at that. And then if you are interested in Doomsday, now we won't be focusing on Doomsday at length here on the podcast it is, but over on the website, we will be covering Doomsday as far as news goes and as far as the reviews go. We have every intent to cover Doomsday at length. Every time there's a new issue that releases, we'll have detailed reviews of that series over on the site. But if you have been craving some doomsday clock news there is a couple of new videos that dc has posted one with jeff johns talking about the doomsday clock as well as some of the art panels revealing some art panels from the upcoming series and then actually at new york comic-con they released an ash can for the series which you can actually view online for free it's six pages of the first book it also reveals spoiler warning i guess i don't know why i bother even saying spoiler warning but everyone knows yeah rorschach is back so if you are out and about beware that happens in just the first six issues or six pages of the first issue (laughs) six issues yeah yeah first six pages of the first issue so you know, if you think you're not going to get spoiled, well, it, it's already out there. So, I mean, John's has um, been telling there, but, it, screaming it from the rooftop. So, yeah, pretty much. And then there's so then the last video we have is John's actually talking. He's giving a tour of the basically panel by panel of those first six pages that were released as the as part of the preview. So, also worth noting is that I I can't remember if it was in one of the videos or a comment that he made somewhere else that we reported in last week in the Batcave. But there was a very specific question that was asked of him. I want to say it was at New York Comic Con about whether or not this will cross over into other titles, if there will be tie-in series and things like that. And he distinctly said there will not be, and he made this very clear, there will not be anything that will tie in directly to this series, and there will not be any crossovers with any other series. Now, that doesn't mean that there's other books that won't you know, follow along, I guess, that same... Not the same timeline because we know this is happening in the near future, but there obviously other books will show effects of, from this. So it's not as if it's a standalone by itself. It will affect the DC universe and things like that, but there's not going to be any tie-ins, crossovers, and things like that that you'll have to pick up. Kind of like what you're seeing right now with Dark Knight's Metal being a six-issue miniseries, but then it has all of these one-shots tie-ins. and all of these crossovers yeah. and tie-ins and all this stuff. So. Doomsday is a standalone series that, yes, will play into what will occur in the DC Universe, but will not have any of those tie-ins or one-shots connected to it. So that is at least one plus side. They also made a point to point out that he spent about a year and a half of research on just the Watchmen the original Watchmen series to basically prep himself to write this series. And they're staying true to a variety of different things. They're staying true to the nine panel pages, just like the original. The best way that I remember him phrasing it was that this is meant to be a tribute to Watchmen, even though not necessarily a sequel. It's meant to be more of a tribute that just basically allows the Watchmen to get involved with the normal DC universe. So we see what Alan Moore thinks about that. You know, he hates when everybody messes plays with his characters. Yeah, that's true. All right. So with that, that is actually all their news. There's two new articles for last week in the Batcave, so you can definitely check those out over on the site. 
Those post every Monday morning, so you can check those out on a normal basis. If you want to check out all the latest art and comments and little sneak peeks that uh, some of the creators give for the upcoming series, there's always tons of stuff. And as more and more books get announced, Jessica just has a harder and harder of a job to keep track of everything. So if you are checking out last week in the Batcave, which I know there's a lot of you out there who are because it is one of our top article series on the site if you are taking a look at that throw jessica a comment in the comment section saying what you like and what you don't like and things like that give her some feedback so with that we're going to jump straight into our comic reviews and the first book we have is all-star batman all-star batman number 14 the series finale i guess writer scott snyder Artiste Raphael Albuquerque. Uh, this issue opens up with Alfred shown chasing down a plane in both the past time frame and the current time frame. Like most Snyder stories, this is happening in two time frames. Briar tells Batman on, in the current time frame that he's been working on making a knight that the Empire could be proud of. Right before the pirates that Alfred has negotiated with at the last issue come alongside, he says that Batman may not use guns, but Alfred does. And he opens fire and shoots down the plane. Back in the past, we see Alfred confront Briar about his plans to kill his father. Briar tries to convince Alfred that he's better off without him. Alfred obviously rejects this notion. Him and Alfred get in a fight. Alfred knocks him down and parachutes out of the plane to presumed safety. Back to the present, and we see Alfred find the barely alive Batman after the plane crash on the island and confront the knight. Alfred fights the knight, but the knight gets the better of him. Alfred and Batman are now both pretty badly injured and looks like they're getting ready to have their last stand together. And through some Snyderisms, we see the knight take off his helmet and reveals to be Alfred or cloned version of Alfred, Genesis machine cloned version of Alfred, younger version as well. Briar begs him to kill the one possible thing that he could care for, which would be Bruce because he's heard the stories of Alfred taking care of the boy. And Alfred clone, other Alfred, actually kills Briar. And Briar congratulates him on being strong enough to kill the person he cares for. And he dies. New Alfred leaves. Back in the past, we see Alfred take over his father's job at Wayne Manor. And in a fit of anger, breaks the grandfather clock. And inside the clock, sees letters to him that his father wrote. He then meets young Bruce Wayne for the first time. We then get a kind of a last current day thing. And we see that Bruce tells Alfred that he's still not decided what to do with the Genesis machine. But I'm sure he'll be making clones of Batman with it in the future, much to Dustin's chagrin. First question. Do you think Alfred's plan to simply shoot down the plane that Bruce is on is a good plan for rescue? No. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure he assumed that Batman would survive, but it does seem a little... Little yeah. foolheartedly, I guess <laughs> is the best way I could put it. Uh, it stupid? yeah, stupid would be another way, probably more correct. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't foresee why that would be the best option. The one thing that concerns me is it feels like, well, that's one way to wrap this up fairly quickly because I don't know exactly if this arc was trimmed down at all just because they decided to or if this was actually the entire issue count that it was actually intended to be. But it does feel like a very direct, well, that is a weird way of wrapping that part of it up. So, uh, Well, it wraps it up quickly. I think... 
You know, how else are you going to take down a plane? It's not its not like he can jump from one to the other. So as far as, you know, did he think it through? I don't know. He just needed to get it out of the sky. And so I think it serves its purpose. So I actually just thought he was going to debilitate the plane, not like completely destroy it. But it all works out in the end. I knew that they were trying to draw the comparisons to the two different time frames, but it did seem that at least maybe allowing some verbiage, because when we see the crash, it doesn't seem like it was even... I mean, it seems like he shot the plane out of the sky. So I just thought that was kind of weird. Uh, but I guess the core, the really only important question for this arc, now that we're done with it, is does this story change the way you see Alfred? No, it, if I look past the let's shoot down a plane as a way to end the conflict, I don't really view Alfred any different than I previously already did. I mean, there was plenty of situations in this story arc by itself where we have Alfred... Alfred's personality is contradicting. He's he's worried about one thing, but then in the flashback they show him as this badass who you know can handle all kinds of stuff. But then when it comes down to it, it almost feels like he's whining, whining, but like whining out of concern to Bruce about a variety of different things in this arc. So it contradicts, I think, the personality they're trying to give Alfred. But I mean, part of that probably also has to do with time has changed and made Alfred more concerned. Obviously, Alfred in the past did not have Bruce to worry about. He is basically a surrogate father for Bruce, so that concern that he's showing for Bruce and the choices that Bruce makes obviously is something that, you know, because he's that father figure for Bruce and he has those fatherly emotions towards Bruce, I guess I could chalk it up to that, but I don't really come out of this story really feeling any different about anything. I mean, like, I won't say that it ended absolutely horrible, but I just kind of like, nah, it's done. I think it, it gives another option for Alfred's past that we've not necessarily seen, and I think, you know, similar to Joker saying how he has a multiple choice history you could potentially say that history you could potentially say that about Alfred as well and I think you potentially pick what characterization of Alfred you like I like how this adds a little bit more into his background and and I think you get some tension there and you see some difficult times that he had rather than him always being in the servitude of the Waynes, because I think that's where we primarily see them, or of course, you know, maybe having this actor background, or being in the military, but here you have someone who really was in the military, had a tough time, became close with someone, wasn't really close with his father, and then was betrayed by this person, and all of these actions that he was doing in order to sort of distance himself from his father made him thoroughly regret distancing himself from his father and then it was too late you know and given the opportunity to go back and see his father and I think that creates some sympathy and connects him more deeply with Bruce because now you see why he would care so much for Bruce in particular because it seemed like he was resentful of his father and how much I mean, it doesn't seem it was he was that was basically spelled out resentful of how much his father cared for the Waynes. And I think even going there, that symbolic gesture of breaking that clock because, you know, gosh, his father did that all the time and he wasn't there for me. He was there for the Waynes. But, you know, then you have that moment with Bruce and then later on, Bruce is going to lose his father. And I, I think there's that kinship there between people who have lost their parents so i think it adds a new dimension to alfred i think 
it's interesting to pair this up with, you know, the things that he had done in this particular storyline. And then if you go over to like Nightfall, where he completely leaves Bruce, you know, it's interesting to see how, how did those characters, characterizations jive with one another. But I, I think it's certainly to do a character study on this particular guy who's always in the background, I think was necessary. And I think you're either going to accept it or not. I think maybe wholly, I don't know if I like the whole thing just because I don't like the rebel Alfred at the beginning, but I think there's some depth to it. And I like how it deeply connects him and Bruce in a different way than I think we've seen before. Yeah. I kind of agree with Stella on this. I think that it does. I mean, we have so few deep dive into Alfred's background and I think we, we probably all fall into that trap of going, Oh yeah. Slave servant to the, to the Waynes for all eternity, but he's not. And I think this helps us, understand why he has such an appreciation for his father that we see later on with him willing to follow in his dad's footsteps i mean most of us don't do that like i didn't take my dad's job when he retired you know so i think that seeing him willing to do that the the kind of bond he developed with his father although he never really got to see him through this shared responsibility that they have and then i think to me the training and kind of costuming heroing he does is almost secondary to the development that i see this real understanding of him and his father's relationship and exactly what led him to being at wayne manor it's not that i didn't appreciate alfred before i did but I think that it, this story did give me a, a sense of greater appreciation for him and maybe a little depth to his backstory that maybe we were missing. All right. So All-Star Batman, I'm going to give a total of three out of five. Three and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five. All right. And over on the website, Corbin gave the issue a total of three and a half out of five batterings as well. So that's going to give All-Star Batman a total of three and a half out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Batman. Batman number 32, The War of Jokes and Riddles, Conclusion, Tom King's script, Mikhail Janine, pencils, inks, and cover, and June Chung, colors. Well, Selena Kyle says yes, and the Joker laughs. The end. <laughs> so this issue, I've got a couple questions about this here. The first thing is that we find out at the end, that really was my synopsis, it's not a joke. Well, that's pretty much the extent of what happens, though. I mean, like- Okay, <laughs> okay, I'm glad you accepted that. At the end, we find out that, now this, this is my interpretation, please tell me if I'm wrong, because I very well could be. That the Riddler did all of this stuff against the Joker in order to get the Joker to laugh. Is that a correct interpretation? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It seems to be the correct interpretation. Yes. Okay. I, I would say that he, he did it. He did it with the intent of getting the Joker to laugh again, but I don't know that he expected the the end result of Batman trying to stab Riddler and then or Riddler why he cared about him laughing yeah yeah exactly or yeah or the, the that aspect of it which is I don't get that part at all you know why, why why does Riddler need Joker to laugh but everything including like the involvement of Kite Man and all of that that was intended to get the Joker to laugh having Kite Man as the one who's you know basically thwarts the the giant plans and things like that that was intended for you know joker to laugh but when he didn't and then batman realized what riddler did and this was all just to get 
Joker to laugh. He, that's why he went after him, which end result, Riddler still got what he wanted. Joker laughed, but yeah, not real sure why Riddler needed that to happen. Yeah, uh, w- which is a good question. Any any thoughts on that? Why? <laughs> Whoa, boy, Riddler really went through a lot of stuff to, to get Joker just to say ha, ha, ha. Well, um, I, I mean, when I read it, I, I, I didn't get any idea of why and even now thinking about it, I, I still don't know exactly why. I read some people online had said that the reason why Batman was so upset about what happened is because he tried to kill Riddler and, and actually Joker is the one who stops him. And that's why he's so ashamed of this. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, is that really it? But as it turns out, at least according to what Tom King had said in an interview, he specifically said that uh, the intent was that not that he tried to kill Riddler because Batman has tried to kill other people in the past. He's used guns, uh, you know, in the very early stories. They've had him lock people in the basement to starve them. It's um, such a it terrible, was, <laughs> terrible argument, by the way. Yes, him. yes. Sorry. But he said the thing that concerned him the most was the fact that Joker was the one who stopped him from killing Riddler, and it was that he, you know went the route of actually trying to kill the Riddler and in turn it was actually Joker and that's what he's actually ashamed about not that he actually tried to kill Riddler but actually that Joker was the one who stopped him from killing the Riddler but that still doesn't go back to the core issue why did he care that's true like like why does Riddler care the only thing I could think of and granted this doesn't make 100% sense but just knowing as we know Riddler is the character all he cares about is the Riddle he must have thought that the Joker not laughing was this great riddle to be solved, right? Like, but that I know that doesn't really hold weight with the narrative we're presented. But the only way it makes sense for Riddler as a character to do all this garbage because we've seen we've seen in the past that Riddler will go way out of his way to do dumb little riddle crap, right? So this has to be him thinking that the Joker not laughing is this great riddle that needs to be solved, and he did all this to solve it. I, I admit that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense with what we've seen. But I can't think of any other reason. And when King made those comments about that stuff, you're talking about stuff that happened in the 1960s books. Dude, in, in modern continuity, Batman has not, to my knowledge, tried to murder somebody. Well, ten, or, you know, not straight up murder somebody. I mean, like he did. This shoot is straight a, up murder. He did. He did shoot a gun at Darkseid with the intent to kill him. Darkseid versus the Riddler. The Riddler is a human. Darkseid's an alien from another planet who was bent on universal destruction. No, I, I'm just saying. Like you said that in the war, you're saying that. He hasn't tried to kill anybody in the modern incarnations of Batman, but I'm, I'm saying he, he he did. He had every intention of killing Darkseid with that bullet. Yes. The bullet that he was using was specifically meant to kill new gods, so Darkseid would die if it actually worked. That was the intent, so it's not as if he hasn't tried. And then the Ten Knights of the Beast, that actually is, I want to say, like, yeah. late 80s, early 80s, 90s. 86, 89. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, like, it's, it's it, that's not too far out of, you know, the realm of current continuity either. And But he didn't actually straight up murder them. He just locked them in the basement with the intent to let them starve. You know they could still escape if I guess if they really figured it out a way, but but it's rare to to say the least. You know I get the idea of Batman has gone you know out of his way at times 
to do things that could be questionable. I don't want to go the route of saying that because I am a huge proponent of everything that was depicted of Batman in, let's say, the movie Batman vs. Superman, where he's just straight up murdering people, is a horrible, horrible version, and that is never actually happened because Batman's not going around just straight murdering people like he did in that movie. But there are times where I think Batman has crossed the line or at least allowed the line to be crossed if even if he was indirectly involved. That's the best way I could put it. But it doesn't make any sense about the... uh, We also have to keep in mind, this is taking place early in Batman's career. It's not taking place later in the career of Batman. So there's that aspect of it, too. I I don't know exactly how long after Batman started his career. I mean, there's no Robins mentioned anywhere in this. So we can assume it at least happens before Dick Racing. Sometime after Zero Year. I yeah, it's, yeah. Somewhere, it's I know that. Be. Yeah, I know because there was a couple references to Zero Year, um, you know, throughout the story. But it, it's early in his career. Is it entirely possible? Sure, but I see where you're coming from. I, I or I see your perspective. I say, you know, in, in that regards, that you know, it just goes down to the question that you originally asked, Stella, which is why did Riddler do all of this? And if it was just to get Joker to laugh. There still has to be a reason as to why he wanted the Joker to laugh. Because it, if it is some sort of ultimate riddle as to how to fix the Joker or something like that, it feels as if... It feels pretty contrived. It, it, yeah, it, it, yeah like. it feels like they, they went a way, way out of the way to do something extremely over the top for something that doesn't really do anything in the, the end. Yeah. If anything, it's just serving a purpose to to have Batman be ashamed of something so that way sure. he can tell the story to Catwoman so that he has a moment to actually share with her to kind of bring him down to, you know, her not levels per se, but her like, you know, the you know, she walks that gray line very, very frequently. And maybe he's, you know, is showing that he has crossed the line just as she has you know, cross the line. So maybe that's the whole intent of this is maybe that. Sure. But you know, this is only one attempted murder compared to 237. She didn't kill the 237 people though. I know. But remember that was, (laughs) that was the belief, right? Well, that was the belief. Yes. But we don't know if that's taking place back then either. So, yeah. Well, and you know, what's funny about us that, that you, we bring up the 237 dead bodies that Catwoman didn't kill, but Holly Robinson did. We were all just so relieved that Selena did it, didn't do it, that we never really dealt with the fact that Holly Robinson yes. killed two hundred and thirty-seven people, you know, which does which almost is not good either. Well, is this the first time we've seen Holly in New Fifty Two continuity slash Rebirth continuity? Both, yes. Okay, yeah. so this could be a completely different character, I suppose. So she is straight up a yeah. She she's just straight up a, a murderer. Yeah. yeah. As for why he did it, I I think Ed's pretty close. I mean, reading it, that's certainly the explanation that Riddler gets, that he was wondering why Joker wasn't laughing, and he felt like that was something he could potentially unlock. I think, given the fact that the whole title of this particular story was War of Jokes and Riddles, and then the question at the very end that was repeated a couple times is what's the difference between a joke and a riddle? I think that Riddler, while he may not necessarily say this, believes there's probably an equality between he and Joker, you know, two sides of the same coin, perhaps. And I I think that (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, while one, you might want to think Ridwar wants to be at the top and, and he wants no one else with him, I think that he missed having sort of an equal or uh, an opposite up there with him. And so when Joker just underwent this drastic change, I think he wanted him back up there. But that, you know, could be getting into the, the Riddler psyche a little bit. But goodness, I mean, hiring, got all those thugs, got all this crazy stuff that's going on. The worst part certainly is the kite man and the and killing Charles Jr., I guess it was. That was unsad. Next question, do you think this is, we, we've talked about sort of the shame that we have, or that Batman has anyways. Is this, would you say that this is the low point of his career? Attempted murder, but really attempted murder that was prevented by Joker. Is that the low point? The way it's perceived probably it, this probably is the the low point of his career. It, it's not. I I don't think it's as much about the attempted murder as it is about the the fact that the, it's the Joker who stops him. I think that's what makes it this such a crucial thing, and what makes him so upset about this specific thing is that you know he couldn't control his emotions, but it was actually the Joker who decides to prevent him from you know doing this horrific act, and I think that's what this is all about is you know it's about it's the fact that the joker who to batman is the worst of the worst and he was able to step in and stop batman from doing something horrible i think that's truly a low point if not the lowest point but i'll say this there's a lot of issues with the how this all comes to be and how this all happens and things like that but i will say if you just look at the moment of Batman's trying to kill Riddler regardless of what it's for. He's trying to kill Riddler and it's Joker who stops him from actually killing Riddler. That's pretty low. I mean, it. I can't think of very much... I, I Honestly, off the top of my head, I can't really think of a worse moment that Batman has had where... Not, not in continuity. Yeah, not in continuity. I would definitely put that on it. Yeah, I, I just I can't see anything out there that he has done that would be as potentially bad, at least in his mind, than, any, than than what happened here. Yeah, if you get off the continuity track and you start getting on stuff like, you know, Frank Miller's All-Star Batman and Robin, where he makes Robin eat rats in the Batcave, remember? Like, that might get down there. I guess I'd have to say the only moment in accepted canon continuity for me would be Killing Joke. Like, honestly, that to me, that last scene in Killing Joke where he's, like, laughing along with the Joker, I know there's some... St- People say that he killed the Joker there, but in continuity, he didn't kill the Joker. Okay, the Joker's still alive, right? He's still with us. So he did not kill the Joker right there. That scene with him, like, laughing along with the Joker after he finds his best one of his best friends, Jim Gordon, you know, tortured and Barbara paralyzed and maybe assaulted, depending on your, your iteration of the story. I think, to me, that's probably the, the, the worst moment. We can't get into that right now. Um, I think that's the worst moment in his history, to be honest with you. I think that's the, like, what are you doing, dude? Like, moment for me. This one's a close second. And also, I think, you know, Dustin, you touched on the earlier aspect of, like, it's early in his career. But to me, I think that makes it less understandable, to be totally honest with you. He is new in his career. He should still be more... Think about when we all get into our careers. Granted, they're not being vigilantes, but... We all make mistakes, yeah. I, I get where you're going. But we're all, like, more idealistic. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not about the money, it's about making the world a better place, and sometimes when you get old, it becomes more about the, you know what I'm saying? Like, 20 years into it, 10 years into his career, I could see him making this decision, because that's one thing, remember that they're real careful, and when King spells out that those words, was, it wasn't a mistake, 
I knew what I was doing. I didn't do it in anger. I'm more apt to see him 15 years into his crime fighting career going, the Joker has killed literally thousands of people, and the new version of the Riddler kills people like the Joker kills people. I'm more apt to see him 15 years in go, dude, the Riddler's killed 700 people. I got to put a stop to this. Then when his younger, one would think more idealistic young self doing it. So to me, there's a bit of a disconnect there too. Yeah, but in some ways, couldn't you view that as because he was more idealistic and he chose to make that, you know, take that action, that's why, why it haunts him more than it would potentially in the present time? I, I guess you could do that, but it, it still makes more sense to me when he's older. It just does, because there's so much more history there. I mean, when he's young, he might actually think at this point that Arkham Asylum could lock him up. I would totally get why now he would go, it's a revolving door, I put him in, they get out every time, you know? Like, I just think that he's too young in his career to, to have this moment. It just feels, and this isn't meant to sound uh, offensive to anybody, but in, to me this moment feels very inauthentic for the character. I find this filled with irony. Which I think is, <laughs> it's just crazy. You know, of all people, Joker is the one, which is why I think, you know, we're, we're talking about this. I remember way back when we were doing Eternal, I think it was the first round, and Jason Todd was telling Barbara Gordon, I think, to like step back and calm down. <laughs> and you, you're like, yes. oh my goodness, if Jason Todd of all people is telling you this, then like clearly there's something wrong. But it's Joker of all people. Now, what's ironic about this is number one, the fact that we just read Batman White Knight. Yes. And number two, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, the fact that Joker, one of his schemes, his plans, right, depending on the interpretation, is to have Batman fall from grace. And he wants to be the one to do it. And so to really push him to break that code that he has and come down in the dirt and wallow in the mud with us villains. And so Joker basically is about to get his wish, and yet... He does not allow it to happen. So on one side, it is kind of humorous because of all, how that happened. So yeah, absolutely, I could see why he's laughing. On the other side, Joker's a hypocrite. He should just let it fall through, and they've got a new era of Batman. Because remember, my Batman brands people, and Batman's just killing people left and right. I want to read that Batman. <laughs> I, I wonder no, how many. Don't. I wonder how many people are desubscribing right now from Patreon. Yeah, what the? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I just think it's so intriguing. I, I think there's some, so many questions and you kind of wonder about this whole storyline, but just that it all comes together at the end and you're like, oh my gosh, look at all of this, this stuff that has happened. So yeah, I, I think it's, uh, <laughs> whew, I think we could discuss this a while. I, I look forward to, and I hope that listeners write in and, and tell us what they think about this in particular, but Man, I, I think just that image of Batman, just that one panel, right, with him and his, his uh, the knife, and you've got the purple glove, and then you've got Riddler's, Riddler's face there. So just the fact that Joker saved Riddler and saved Batman's reputation is something that requires pause, I believe. So then my final question is in regards, of course, Shipper to Selina and Batman. And I guess we already said 
I, I think last episode we were saying how I know I said I wanted it and I thought that it was going to happen. I think Dustin said he wanted it, but he didn't think it was going to happen. Ed, did you you wanted it? Did you think it was going to happen? I think that they were going to get engaged, but never actually get married. Okay, yeah. So I did have a question about some phrasing or a word, something that he said in his second proposal, because I think we could go on and on about sort of the things that she says and everything, and, and we could. I just want to know what you think he means by saying, I love you, I have to love you. What does he mean by saying, I have to love you? Well, specifically pulling those words out, by themselves, I would say that it has something to do with the reflection that he was dealing with after the button and after that moment that he had with his father in the alternate timeline and the fact that the proposal came almost immediately afterwards. It does feel slightly strange that he phrases it, I have to. Stalker. Yeah, there's, there's that part of it, but there's also like <laughs> the idea of, you know, he feels as if if he doesn't love her, then he can't love anybody. I mean, that's one of the ways I perceive those words, which is if he says he doesn't love her, then he really is a lonely person who doesn't love anybody. But, I mean, like, that's taking outside the the account of the entire Bat family and his, you know, all of the, you know, Alfred and everybody else. But it just feels like if you if you just focus on those specific words it feels like he's almost saying he he needs to because if he doesn't he's broken in a way so i mean that that's the way i would portray those words but i i think the the other problem is that i think those words specifically within the context of all the other words I think it's more of, I don't know, like, and I only bring this up because this just happened recently. Now, if you remember during the I Am Bane storyline where they, that issue where they were infiltrating Santa Prisca, <laughs> Batman, he keeps repeating the same exact phrase over and over and over again. And oh, we remember. It I would was, like you to. You would like me to say the phrase. Yes, go ahead. Re- refresh the the reader. Is mind. this the uh, I'm going to break your back phrase? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that's it. I'm going to break your back. That's yeah. pretty much what he said for two issues. And, yeah. and it was ridiculous how much he said it, but it was actually interesting because based off of the complaints from people who read it and I guess reviewed it or people's feedback in general. United States of America. He actually took the the book before it released in trade form and he actually edited out like half of or more than half of those the repetition dialogue that kept popping up all over the issues. So he actually took some of that stuff out. So I only bring this up because I think to myself, you know, he has a tendency to you know fix some of his own writing before the trades based off of feedback so i'm wondering if this could be a potential mistake because i didn't see a whole lot of reviews and things that i was reading online calling that specific line out but i'm wondering to myself i i I can't see a huge meaning to that other than what i what i already mentioned but i don't know i i mean i almost feel like maybe we're looking too much into it (sighs) I mean, it's just kind of like that. To me, it just reeks of like a little bit of self pity on there. Like I have to love you. Oh my gosh! You know, I mean, he's got he's got a little bit of that going on there. Uh, and I think some of it is just. And this is not meant to sound insulting at all, but I think that some of the phrases aren't turned as 
as uh, as well as they could be, and I think this could be an issue with that, or he's just really like in a self-loathing moment. I disagree with. Well, I guess he didn't really pointedly say it, but I I think with words on a page, and there aren't many words on comic book pages, you know, overall, that everything that's put down has to have some sort of meaning or the writer's not doing their job. And so I think the fact that he has this, and then it, it of course, transitions to, you know, I have to love you, but you don't have to love me kind of thing. I think there is something to think about this uh, obviously authorial intent is very tricky because we are not tom king so we don't know what he is meaning and this is true for any literature discussion that any one of us could have i was very troubled by this when i read it and i think i probably said wait what and read it again to have someone say i have to love you and propose you are not in the right state of mind or state of heart to make that sort of proposal and this disappoints me because i felt like he was in a good place like he it seemed like he was sorting out his life and and coming up with good reasons but now all of a sudden this seems like it's no like you are what could potentially save me and that is too much to put on any person and so now i'm very concerned that while this engagement will happen that the marriage will not happen because um it's unfair it's unfair for him to ask that of her and while she's a little blase with, you know, the response, I would say, or nonchalant, just, you know, it all comes down to who cares and, and, you know, all this stuff that we've been through. We've been through it, but now it's, you know, time to move on. But I feel like she she should, I, I think she genuinely loves him. I think he genuinely loves her, but I think he's asking from the wrong place and I, it, perhaps at the wrong time here. And so this concerns me greatly and I feel like we're, we're getting into a dysfunctional relationship and this is not healthy. So yeah, I guess, I, I feel like that's it. Unless you wanted to talk about her responses to everything and the fact that she was crying in her meth girl with running. All uh, Courtney, uh, what was her name? Court of um, Hole, what was her name? Courtney... Yes, Courtney, Courtney Love, because I know her mascot. Courtney yes, Love. Courtney Love, yeah. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, those are those are the questions that I have. The, you know, the the one, I, I have to just follow up, you know, the, the context I was talking about with those words. You know, he says, I have to love you, but then the next lines that come out of his mouth is, but that doesn't mean it isn't I'm, you don't have to love me, meaning... I don't know. I just, I guess I view those words a little bit different than I guess you guys do. I just view it as he's saying he does love her, but he understands if she doesn't have, she doesn't have to love him because he loves her. They don't have to love each other just because they're, you know, they're, they're destined in this position to, to be together. So I, I, I don't know. I guess I just view it differently than you guys, but other than that, I will say I, I'm glad she said yes. I'm hoping that they it actually follows through. I mean, Ed still has the chance to still be correct by saying they don't actually get married because that won't be happening in the immediate future. But that all being said, I will say that I enjoyed this issue, and I'm going to give this one a total of three and a half out of five batterings. Uh, I don't... I. This is tough for me. I like the fact that we got them at Hitch, but the rest of the issue is... I'm going to go two and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five. And over on the website, Matthew gave it four, so that's going to give Batman a total of 
Three and a half out of five bad rings. Let's move into our last book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 966, written by James Tynion IV, art by Eddie Burrows. Uh, the issue starts off in Gotham in the far future. Anarchy flees from a gun-wielding Tim Drake Batman. Though this Tim admires Lonnie's ideals, he murders his opponent and escapes Commissioner Rene Montoya. In his Batcave, Tim and his computer named Brother view a video of Lonnie and Stephanie Brown discussing their plans to fight Batman, but he vanishes into Mr. Oz's prison as soon as the recording ends. In the present, Tim Batman saves Tim Red Robin from Doomsday with his gun. As they run, Batman tells Red Robin that he can get them both home and that they've met before. Red Robin insists that he won't become this dark vision, but Batman says he himself had the exact same thoughts in his own timeline when Robin met the Titans of Tomorrow, and yet he became a exactly the same person anyway. Tim says that Dick, Jason, and Damien can't fill Bruce's cape, but he must. Horrified at what his future self has done, Red Robin and Batman fight, in each insisting that they know the right way to act. Doomsday breaks in again, but this time Red Robin leads him to a cell using a holographic Superman, surprising Batman. Batman convinces Red Robin to come back with him to Red Robin's Gotham, and they escape Mr. Oz's prison. However, once back, Batman tells Red Robin to reconcile with Superboy, but not the current universe's Superboy John Kent. Instead, he references Connor Kent, the clone hybrid of <gasps> Superman. When Red Robin says that he has no knowledge of Batman's former friend, he orders his suit computer to search the current timeline. He is then startled and says he, he ends up slashing Red Robin's arm. And he sees the scan upon his own arm. Batman knows he's free of his own dark future. Knocking Red Robin out with his own suit, Batman sets off to kill Batwoman, the person he blames for this twisted future. All right, so that is Detective Comics. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is the Connor Kent reference. Um, now, those of you who are unaware of Connor Kent, because that's not that's obviously outside the realm of what we normally cover here, Connor Kent was Superboy. He was also the one who was walking around with the leather jacket in the 90s, <laughs> who, was, who was also wearing... Yes, exactly. And he was part of the Supermen, um, the, uh, a part of the Reign of Superman storyline that was happening in the 90s. After Superman died, he was one of the four that was helping out or causing destruction, whatever way you want to look at it, after Superman died and there was no Superman in Metropolis. He was one of the four. He later became a member of Young Justice, was working alongside Tim Drake for a significant amount of time. Skip forward to the New 52. Well, he was also involved in a pretty major moment that caused a ripple in time. I don't really want to get into that because that whole storyline is slightly frustrating because it's a little too convenient to explain certain events, including the return of Jason Todd. But I'll just leave it at that and just say, if you want to know more, go investigate Superboy Prime punching a wall, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, but skip forward to the New 52, Superboy Connor Kent was part of the Teen Titans alongside Tim Drake. And ever since Rebirth has happened, Connor Kent has been conveniently missing from the current timeline as the Superboy that is currently ha found in the pages of Super Sons and any other book that references Superboy is always referring to John Kent, who is the son of Clark Kent, not 
Connor Kent, who has not existed since the beginning of Rebirth. So the question is, this is clearly hinting at something. I My take on this is that this is hinting at, again, some sort of timeline or frame of time that is currently eliminated from the timeline or has been replaced and how we've seen the effect on what many of us have referred to as the Watchmen effect on the timeline is the New 52 condensed things and then Rebirth kind of stretched things back out. So the question is, how do you view this mention of Connor Kent? I don't foresee us getting a huge Connor Kent story in the pages of Detective Comics by any means, but this seems to be at least laying the groundwork for some sort of reveal down the line as to where Connor Kent has been since the beginning of Rebirth. Your guys' take. I think it's just set up. I just think we'll get the Connor Kent story somewhere else. I don't. I can't imagine them doing the Connor story in Detective, right? Like, I guess it's, I'd be okay with it. I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but I think it's just set up. I think they're trying to get all the characters that were wrote out of existence brought back in the world, and I think these are... This is a pretty major one, and I think that Tim had a connection with him, so I think it's just setting us up for the fact that this is coming. Did you say, Dustin, that they were best friends? I, I did not. I, I guess I should have said that. they Yes, they were best friends in the previous timeline before the New 52. Um, they were kind of... I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're best friends during the New 52, during the ti- Teen Titans run at all. No. They, they constantly felt like they were vying for the position of leader in that amongst that team, but... I mean, but they were definitely best friends before in the 90s and early 2000s, so... I only say that I I feel like it's important to note just because, remember, when he died, just... He kept trying to bring him back. Yeah, how hard um, hard he took it. Yeah, and then he and uh, Cassie Sandsmark had that moment where they kissed. Had a mutual grief, kind of like anarchy and stuff a little bit not as exactly the same i mean how crazy it would be to have some pre-flashpoint continuity return to us you know it'd be awesome if they could do like two different sets of books i mean it couldn't be a huge set i suppose but if we brought back some pre-flashpoint storylines and so we had some ongoings in that continuity and then we had rebirth going side by side i guess maybe that's too much for people to handle but no i i think that it seems like perhaps the multiverse is fractured once again we're getting closer to another crisis i'm sure in the next five years we'll have another crisis and i i think we're just seeing potential some residue from pre-Flashpoint. And so I feel like this Tim here is what would have happened had pre-Flashpoint continued on and was not a good way. Yeah, I I would agree on that, that there is definitely some of that link to the pre-Flashpoint. The the one thing that I thought about while you were saying the thing about potentially having some books follow that pre-Flashpoint story or that timeline not storyline but timeline some of the characters at least in my opinion feel like they're more rooted in that pre-flashpoint timeline than they are than than their characters in the new 52 i mean i definitely i definitely would say that the new 52 abrupted every timeline as much as they wanted to say in the beginning that they weren't disturbed everybody's timeline and things like that, especially with trying to compact it all into a specific time frame. But the other part of it is that Rebirth, I feel like, at least for the most part, stretched a lot of that timeline back out. And they've slowly been reaffirming that things are and 
were the way they were back before Flashpoint actually existed. Now, that's not to say that they couldn't do a series like, for example, Stephanie Brown as Batgirl, you know, because that definitely would be pre-Flashpoint rather than having her back as spoiler. But I, I could like I I want to see that somebody, one of us, had said at some point that if Rebirth was happening, there were certain books that we knew that they were going to follow a distinct pattern and they were going to keep the book the same status quo because it was successful. And there was plenty of other books that they were going to just completely redo and change everything around based off of the way they were in the New 52 because it just wasn't working. They were going to go back to square one. And then in most of those cases, they went back to the way things were pre-Flashpoint anyway. But I think the closest thing we were ever going to get to having characters appearing in different timelines at the same time was Convergence. And we all know how that event actually turned out. I didn't think it turned out very well in the in the long run. There were some great hints at to here's some characters that we, we, we loved and appreciated prior to Flashpoint reappearing. And then there was other ones where it's like, what are we doing here? So my other question that I have is, is a pretty quick and brief one the other kind of major thing that happens in this issue outside of the reveal that tim doesn't remember anything having to do with connor kent is that you know they the the two of them are easily dispatch of doomsday and i almost have to say that it felt like they dispatched doomsday way too easily incredibly easy they they basically used the hologram of superman to lure him into a containment cell but I mean, outside the fact that the entire situation would have been prevented in, by Tim not opening all of the containment cells in the last issue, it just felt as if if this was all that they needed to do, then Tim just basically outsmarted Superman because Superman was killed by Doomsday. I thought Doomsday was a little bit smarter than being lured by a hologram, but that's my take. So, I mean, your guys' thoughts on whether or not it was a little too easy for Doomsday to be taken down the way he was. Well, I will say this. In fairness to Superman, I don't think he had a containment cell laying around that could contain Doomsday. True. You know, I think that that is... I I think they could have used a better MacGuffin to get Doomsday in the cell. Do you know what I mean? Like, any other way of doing that might have worked better. But I think the fact that the technology was laying around to put Doomsday in containment made it something they could deal with. If they didn't have the technology to put Doomsday in containment at all, I think this is a totally different problem. You know what I mean? I still think that, though, it's kind of just... It's it's kind of just release Doomsday for the heck of releasing Doomsday so we can put him right back in a cell and continue with the character part of the story, um, which is something we see happen in comics quite often with villains. I think it depends on what version of Doomsday we're seeing here. Yes, he looks like the Doomsday that we're all used to, but remember that uh, whatever doesn't literally, actually, whatever does kill Doomsday then makes him stronger. Stronger, So this could be like a very early iteration, and yes, he was vulnerable with that particular, you know, thing, and so Tim was easily able to dispatch him, or they both were. The Tims! The Tims were easily (laughs) able to dispatch him, but he's going to get up again, and he'll be stronger, and then they'll have to do some other way. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little, if he comes back again in the next issue though if they do it more than once it might be a little boring there might yeah might get a little pedantic if we keep locking them up with holograms it's true all right so i'm going to give detective comics 12 three and a half out of five three and a half out of five 
Yeah, yeah, three and a half out of five. Clean sweep. And over on the website, Ian also gave it three and a half, so that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five batterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. Starting off on October 4th, uh, main TBU books, we already talked about Batman and All-Star Batman. Nightwing number 30, Nightwing deals with a new romance with Huntress and looks for allies as Raptor returns to Bloodhaven. This is by Paul, he gave it 3 out of 5, I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Yeah, I'll give it a neutral. Harley Quinn number 29, the Scarecrow comes to town as Harley expands her campaign to become mayor of New York City and joins a mayoral debate. This is written by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Abstain. Secondary TBU books, Batman White Knight number one, the opening issue of this Elseworlds tale, explores the relationship between Batman and the Joker and sets the stage for Joker's journey to become Gotham's White Knight. This is written by Adele. He gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. We'll, we'll talk more about this one in a minute. Uh, the Shadow, Batman number one, Batman, Robin, and The Shadow each begin to investigate a new threat called The Silent Seven. This is by Paul. He gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Batman the Dawnbreaker number one, presented with a power ring at the moment of his parents' death, young Bruce Wayne gets corrupted by its power and uses it to hunt down criminals in Gotham. This was reviewed by Jessica. She gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Worst Green Lantern in history. Oh, dear. No, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Guy Gardner is most definitely the worst Green Lantern uh, because he's a jerk. Oh, no. Punch. Uh, um, any, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, what a great reference. Abstain. Bane Conquest, number six. Bane goes after the head of the international crime cult Cobra, a playboy known as Naja Naja. Hmm? This was by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica number one. Harley Quinn helps Poison Ivy try to save Riverdale's Sweetwater Swamp from the destruction of Harm Lodge's construction project. This is by Jerry. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. I would say thumbs up, maybe the greatest comic book ever written. Wow. That was Harley Quinn, you said? Or abstain. (laughs) Or abstain. Yeah, yeah, that's probably more accurate. Great Scott. (laughs) Abstain. Main DC Universe book, Justice League number 30, Mira, Aquaman from the future, and Serenity join the others in their fight with the darkness as Wonder Woman tries to hold it back as the identity of the Sovereign is revealed. This is by Jim. He gave it two and a half out of five and give this one a thumbs down. Uh, neutral. Abstain. And then our DCU spotlights uh, cover Green Arrow number 32, which was part of the Gotham Resistance crossover. As the crossover comes to an end, team must face the Batman who laughs. This was by Darren. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Abstain. 
Secondary DC Universe books, Injustice 2, number 11, which includes digital chapters number 21 through 22, the Injustice versions of Batman, Jason Todd, Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, Black Canary, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Batman, Bruce Wayne, Orca, Killer Croc, Anthanasia, Al Ghul, Damian Wayne, and Alfred Pennyworth all appear in the issue. Moving over to October 11th, main TBU books. We already talked about Detective Comics. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey number 15. As the men of Gotham come down with a sickness, it's up to the birds and their allies to discover what is causing the sickness and to save all of Gotham. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Red Hood and the Outlaws number 15. The Outlaws begin to make a name for themselves, which attracts the attention from some of the members of the Bat Family, which leads to a confrontation that may ultimately be part of Bizarro's plan. This is by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, neutral. Thumbs up. Secondary TV books. Ragman number one. Roy Reagan's origin story gets an update as Ragman returns to Gotham City. So by Darren, he gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Abstain. Main DC Universe books, Just League of America number 16, the explanation of why Aaron Ott be- betrayed the Atom at the beginning of his time in the microverse is told. This is by Matthew. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Abstain. Suicide Squad number 27. The Suicide Squad launches into space to investigate a new threat to Amanda Waller. This is by Paul. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Abstain. Dark Knight's Metal number three. Superman goes to a place where everybody knows his name and then he turns into a battery. This is by Corbin. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Wait, oh thumbs my up. Goodness. Yeah, how are you giving thumbs up from that synopsis? He turns into a battery? What kind of garbage well, still, is Last that? time I checked, still, last time I checked, <laughs> we're not supposed to be giving it ratings based off of the synopsis. Oh it's supposed to be off of goodness. the actual reading of the comic. Okay. Wait, we're not? Well, it's not like you were Tom King and lying about it. You just said he turned into a battery. So, anywho. He does. Okay. He does. I'm going to abstain. You people know what I think about this storyline which is why it's so hilarious that you put up such a deal about him being a battery you don't even know that he actually turned into a battery well you said he turned into a battery hilarious and absurd yes but the part i find hilarious about that that synopsis is that he goes to a place where everybody knows his name because if you read the book you know exactly what that is referencing that he went Those through a who desert didn't, on a horse we're referencing to cheers oh cheers it's you cheers mean? it's cheers Yes. Where everybody knows your name. Yeah? Yeah, Norm's in the book, too. <laughs> okay, continue. Secondary DC Universe books, Bombshells, United Number 3, which includes digital chapters number 5 through 6. The Bombshells version of Clayface appears in the issue. Gotham City Garage, number 1. Digital chapters number 1 through 2. The Garage versions of James Gordon, Batman Bruce Wayne, Harley Quinn, and Catwoman all appear in the issue. New Superman, number 16, The Batman of China, Robin Bot, and Batman alongside the Justice League appear in the issue. And then finally, we have TBU Trades and Hardcovers, Batman Detective Comics, Volume 3, League of Shadows trade paperback, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Volume 2, Who is Artemis trade paperback, Justice League by Jeff Johns, Box Set, Volume 1, Justice League, Their Greatest Triumphs trade paperback, Batman the Flash, The Button Deluxe Edition hardcover, Super Sons, Volume 1, When I Grow Up trade paperback, Justice League, The Dark Side War Saga omnibus hardcover, Injustice Gods Among Us, Year 5, Volume 3 trade paperback, DC Comics Bombshells, Volume 5, Death of Illusion trade paperback, Justice League, an adult coloring book. 
And that is everything. There's a lot of Justice League stuff if you haven't noticed because there's a certain movie coming out in a little under a month. Are they making a Justice League movie? Yeah, it's news. It's I, I know it's 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 hard to yeah. fathom. <laughs> Can't believe I didn't see that on like a million different things. Yeah. All right, so that is all of the books. Remember, all of those ones that we gave a thumbs up, thumbs down, or neutral, we all have detailed reviews of all of those books over on the website. Also, if you've been paying attention to some of the stuff happening with Dark Knight's Metal, you'll know that there is a huge crossover happening very, very soon. It's called Bats Out of Hell. It's taking place in Justice League, Green Lantern, Flash. We'll be covering that on the website as well, even though we don't normally cover the Flash and Green Lantern because it is part of the crossover. So be sure to look out for those if you're not following along with every single tie-in that is tying into Dark Knight's Metal. We are doing it for you so that you can check it out. So outside of that, be sure to check out all the other reviews and leave comments on those books. There's also the ability, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but there's actually the ability to leave your personal rating for the book on the website and you can actually leave your book and then or your rating so like if you read a book and you think it's absolute garbage you can give it a zero i don't hardly ever give anything a zero because there's some redeeming factor in almost every book unless unless it's by a a writer and artist that i don't enjoy completely despise like kelly jones i don't want to get into that either but anyway you could leave a zero out of five or you could give it a five out of five you give it whatever and whenever somebody reads that review they actually see the average user rating that we are giving all of our users are actually giving it so you can do that on basically any of the reviews that uh, are on the site whether it's comic related or whether it's something that's not comic related so be sure to check that out before we get into listener q a's i want to talk about batman white knight real quick the first issue came out i have to say i was expecting great things i was thrilled by the fact that i was uh, what i expected i i got and and then some i i don't want to talk too much about it because i guess again this is one of those ones where i we probably will need to do a special talking about the entire series but just initial thoughts on the first issue did you guys enjoy it i mean obviously we heard your ratings already but what was your thoughts on the first issue since this is taking place in a different timeline slash universe most likely just an elseworld story First off, I'm totally cool with Elseworlds stuff. I don't mind it. I think it's far better to experiment in Elseworlds than with regular continuity and wreck it, you know? Um, I thought it was great. I think it's the art is good. I think that the book is well done. I think the premise is interesting. Um, and, it, and it definitely has me going, huh, what's, uh, what's going on here? And I, I kind of think that... That's <clears throat> where Dustin's going to get mad. Um, I, I kind of think we should just cover it monthly. Till it's over. I mean, All-Star Batman's done. I'd be glad to do this one. Just saying, it's good. And Ed says I'm going to get mad because anytime a new book is suggested, I always But I All-Star's always done. No. We lost All-Star. Um, that's true. That is true. But I have a feeling at some point we will get something to replace that. Um, it, it's not so much about the fact that I don't want to add any more books. It's more about the idea of I don't want to give certain books that we that we get the first issue and it's like wow this is really good and then we just choose to to cover those um instead of just covering the stuff i mean and i've been saying this and i've said this in the past there's been one shots that we have that have released and there has been many series that have released over the last couple of years where i have said in the past yes when this is all collected we'll do that i know that uh, there was that four issue oh, yeah international batman story i can't remember the batman ropa that's what it was i remember saying we were going to do that for that and 
that completely just didn't happen. But what I'm actually planning on doing is I'm hoping that I really am hoping to cover a lot of these mini series that we haven't done a ton of focus on in the future. One of the things I'm I'm really wanting to do come 2017 or 2018 that is is if those of you out there don't know 2018 is actually marking the 10th anniversary of tbu we have almost been around for an entire 10 years which is crazy to think about but that being said one of the things i really want to do is start producing a lot more content and that will include more extra episodes outside of just the the normal stuff that we're normally doing here with just the you know the monthly books and the monthly news and things like that so we're going to be trying to put out at least between all of the podcasts not just the comic cast that is all the podcasts we're going to be trying to produce at least one to two special episodes every month for at least the entire year and if it's super successful obviously further on and we'll just keep doing it but there's a lot of mini series specifically dealing with the comic side of things that i would love to go back and and touch on and things like that stuff that we weren't that we didn't cover at the time of release that now are in collected form now that we can cover them and if you guys i'm sure a lot of listeners do listen to bat books for beginners but over on bat books for beginners they take a storyline and they cover the entire storyline in one episode and they can dedicate a little bit more time talking about it and it's a little bit more it's a little bit easier to talk about an entire story arc or story in general, miniseries, if you're talking about the entire finished product rather than just issue by issue. So I'm really hoping to do that, and Batman White Knight will be one of those. Nightwing The New Order will be another one of those. Um, I talked about doing a bunch of different stuff for Dark Knight's Metal. Dark, But whether we release it here on the Comic Cast feed or we release it as specials, it is something that I am committed to doing in the coming year. Um, it's just not going to happen in the next couple months due to the the holidays coming up and everything getting super it's always terrible in december for us everybody scheduling like seriously yes yeah scheduling wise everything gets super super whacked in uh for the entire month of december we end up recording like wednesdays at four in the afternoon you know yeah it gets pretty crazy so it's not going to happen until the the beginning of the year but like i said i'm already in the planning stages of trying to make some of these things happen i'm in the process of formulating a list so if you have any suggestions out there that you'd like to see us go back and cover us or other members of the site it doesn't it won't necessarily be the three of us every single time um but it could be yes it could be and it could be we could add somebody amongst us we could bring in some other staff there's a lot of uh a lot of the comic reviewers over on the site who have uh, been part of some other specials that we've done in the past. And I want to try to bring in some of those guys and gals for the future specials that we're doing to kind of give outside opinions of, of some of these books outside of just ours. But the point is the three of us will be involved in some of those, but we have every intention of doing that. And just because Ed mentioned it, I'm just putting it out there. Batman White Knight, I enjoy and I think would be a worthy book to cover, but I don't want to necessarily play favorites with certain titles, especially when they're not in continuity. And that's kind of the commitment I made to covering books was just books that were Batman specific in continuity whenever we stopped covering all the other books. So congratulations, by the way, I derailed the whole conversation. Yes, you did for like five minutes. But it's good. It's very good. <laughs> yes, no, I enjoyed it. I actually really like Elseworld stories. I 
just like the freedom that the writers and artists too have with telling a, di- a different story and I like seeing heroes in different situations some are you know better than others and so I think that this is really interesting to see well I, I don't know if I could call him a hero yet but to see Joker on the correct side of the law and Batman having a fall from grace and again I, I you know see my earlier comments regarding Batman 32 because I think there's a connection there which is pretty interesting to think that they came out around the same time but no I I thought it was very interesting and intriguing idea and hey Barbara Gordon's in there so I think that's great that she's the one that is the sidekick I guess in there a partner I should say that that's better more PC she's the partner here and uh because Dick had left and become his own his own man which it was oh. interesting because she... Why are you saying that? Why are you laughing? He became his it. own man. The way, no, the way you... The words you said... Never mind. No, because I said the you D said, word. Richard! No, you said dick... No, you said dick had left, and it sounded like... I thought you said dick had left. Never mind. Yes. Okay. Never mind. My bad. Anywho, yes. which is similar, right? Because sometimes Elseworld still has sort of a connection there. But I love how Barbara's in this really tricky position because she... could obviously wants to continue crime fighting but seems like she's having to babysit Batman a little bit or like pull him back from this edge that he's on and it's not really working for her and so there's that wonderful conversation very short between her and Richard in regards to you know how can we help him and and he Richard said well you should leave like I left which is just interesting to see if I wonder if she will will Batman push so hard that he's gonna sort of alienate all the the people that are closest to him so yes I enjoyed it yes and just my two cents real quick I also enjoyed it that that's the first one the second one is there's there was a distinct similarity between a certain movie that came out earlier this year that I connected but I read an interview saying that Sean Murphy also was surprised by those connections that occurred between that movie and his book but he was writing the book way before that and was actually super concerned that people were going to say that he copied the certain theme of the movie based off of a toy so what is it i'll leave it at that which one the lego batman movie people thought the joker is obsessed with batman in the lego batman movie similar to the way he's obsessed here oh you mean joker I can't believe I I can't believe you, neither one of you made that connection. Well, because I already remember how Scott Snyder was writing Joker being in love with Batman, so it's not like this is a new idea. Right, it's not. I'm not saying, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not directly tied specifically into that one movie, but it it, it just is a very recent thing that happened where that there's that connection of it to it. But anyway, so. We will cover Batman White Knight. It is on the list of ones we will cover as part of those specials. With that, we're going to jump straight into our listener Q&As. Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! We only have one, but it is a very long one, and it's actually from a new listener, so we're going to kind of break this up into a 
couple of different segments because of the the length of it just to discuss it so Stella is as usual going to start reading through this but basically it's a very interesting theory based off of some early reading for someone who just started in getting into comics so Stella take it away absolutely this is coming from Stephanie and she's saying that her last name is Mounts but I actually believe that it's Brown so they kind of rhyme. So I think you're not doing a good job, Stephanie, of shielding Mounts your and brown. onto you. Mounts yep, and see? brown do see? not do not Rolls do not rhyme. The <laughs> <laughs> they do not rhyme. I'm on to you, Stephanie. Okay. Or she's saying that Stephanie rhymes with Stephanie. Well, that's also true. Okay. Firstly, I want to say thank you for all the work you guys put into making this website and all its content. I've been plowing through Bat Books for Beginners and I plan on tackling some of the others after. It's all been really great. I've just started getting to comics for this first time in my life since July this year, so if my comments or theories seem wholly uninformed, they are. Since Rebirth, a bunch of very strange stuff has obviously happened, primarily by reintroducing the original Wally West into a world that doesn't know him, but then magically does again. Wally seems to believe that more memories will be altered even further in the future by Dr. Manhattan. I don't follow Flash at all, so this all comes from my understanding of different explanations of these stories. But, by and large, it appears that some of the characters have memories of different universes and it stands to reason would therefore come from different universes. The new Superman, who we already know isn't this world's Earth Prime Superman, comes from a different universe, New Earth, and appears to have different memories of Batman, mentioning Rainbow Batman, Detective Comics Volume 1, Number 241, Earth 1 to which Bruce claims no memory. This, however, could have been denial, a.k.a. lying, (laughs) in the face of shame, or as already mentioned, they aren't from the same universe. So maybe this event happens in New Superman's universe, but not in Prime Batman's. We now also have Tim meeting a future Bat-Tim, who would come from a different time and possibly a different universe, where he becomes evil-slash-more-violent-slash-gun-toting. Okay, so we're going to stop there real quick just so I can address some of the things that she has brought up here. So there's definitely some aspects of time that has been altered. We know it has something to do with the Watchmen. We don't know exactly how everything works out. But the mention about Tim Drake, this is why I wanted to stop here. The Tim Drake reference is actually, that is referencing a storyline from Teen Titans called Titans of Tomorrow. (gasps) I remember that. That storyline was written by Jeff Johns. It takes place in the future where Tim Drake actually becomes a gun-toting Batman. It actually is a real storyline. It's not like a different you know, a different timeline. It is a different timeline, I guess, but it's, it did exist in the pre new 52 world, pre flashpoint world. It was a standalone story. And honestly, it's hard to believe how this has come back into play. And we will have to wait and see exactly how this comes back into play. But that specifically is referencing a specific version of Tim Drake that did exist pre flashpoint even though it was in an alternate timeline or an alter alternate future timeline before so i just want to point that out before we move on so anyway well just to bolt on to that real fast i think that the reason why we see jeff john's version of this in this book which is a definitive crossover with i believe what's going to happen with doomsday clock although there isn't supposed to be any i think it's because jeff john's is writing doomsday clock right he probably threw some of his old stuff in you said yourself it was a John's Titans book, right? Yes, but, I mean, John's isn't writing detective comics. I think it, this is actually I'm more... sure he was sitting at the table, though. Yeah. Like, when I mean, Doomsday, 
Mr. Oz. This stuff is all going to be my better question is, it, you know, if this is not John saying he wants to have this version of Tim Drake in it, then it then it has to be Tynion who's choosing to use that alternate version of Tim, and because there is not a ton of alternate version Tims in the universe like there is for, you know for example like Bruce Wayne has multiple alternate versions that have appeared over the years Tim doesn't have that the one other character that potentially could have been used is the one that was used in uh Future's End where he ends up going back or he goes into the future and ends up becoming Batman Beyond yes yeah. he becomes Batman Beyond and I Ian actually called that out in his review over on the website about well how come they're referencing the Titans or the you know the Batman from tomorrow in that storyline but there's no reference of Tim as Batman Beyond in that other alternate timeline that existed so would have seemed a little more relevant wouldn't it, it would have because that happened much more frequently and it did happen for a much longer extended period of time compared to the Titans of Tomorrow, which lasted just for a couple of months, 10 years ago. So, yeah. Anyway, continuing on. Bruce and Selina in Batman Rebirth number 15 recount their first meeting, which differ. Bruce remembers meeting on a boat, Earth 2, Batman Volume 1, number 1, Golden Age, and she remembers meeting in the street, New Earth, Batman Volume 1, number 404, Batman Year 1. This leads me to believe that these two characters are not from the same universe. Yikes, that's that's scary. My theories to add to your discussion about why Bruce told Selina the War of Jokes and Riddles, even though she was in it, are thus. Theory number 1. Batman is the world's greatest detective. Is it possible that he's already figured the different people, different universes thing out? And that is why he's telling Selina the story with her parts in it, because she either may not remember or remember it differently. Because he knows this isn't his original Selina. That's not, that, you know, as interjection from Stella here, it's a little skeezy. It's like sleeping with another twin. It's not the same thing there. Okay. Any uh, this okay. is back to Stephanie. Uh, what don't you think? That's true. Being with another Earth is not. That's weird. Well, if she's been here for a couple of years and they developed their own unique relationship, who am I? Yeah, I mean, if you're just yeah, I can if see you that. Just if you just bases off of his relationship as portrayed by Tom King, then I think it's perfectly capable and fine. I don't think mm. there's anything wrong with that. But I mean, like it is if. <laughs> Anyway, let's just continue on because I don't want to get too much into this theory before we finish out her actual thought. Sure, sure. So back to Stephanie Brown. The part where she admits to lying to him, issue 28, in the story could be her guess as to what she would do because she's probably still very similar to the Catwoman in the story. He may have decided to start a relationship with this version of Selena because she's all he had. Ooh, there's Ooh, the half that thing. goes yeah. back to the comment. Yep. Oh, Theory two. Batman isn't a big talker. Hmm, like Dustin. It's possible he's kept most of the story a secret from her and has only ever shared with her the permanent details that she needed. He included her in the story because, well, I like hearing my parts in an epic story. Maybe she does too. Also, it might help her get an idea of when certain things happen by tying into things they did together as a reference. My theory as to how the marriage slash engagement won't last is as follows. If they are in fact people from different universes and Doomsday Clock is about to start, will the multiverse quote-unquote fix itself or will it get even more broken? And the two of them will be separated somehow. Your thoughts? Well, my first immediate thought is, Stephanie, for someone who just started reading comics for the first time in your life, like three three months ago 
you have an extensive knowledge of a bunch of stuff that has happened. Um, no and well annotated notes. Yes, exactly. I mean, we have issues and what earth they happened exactly. on. Exactly. So, I mean, like, kudos <laughs> to you for the amount of time you have spent just tackling these thoughts alone um, just for this. I can't even imagine everything that you have read in these few months. But anyway, props to you for that. As far as these theories, I mean... That theory, number one, when I read your comments when you initially posted it, I was kind of like blown away because, one, I didn't really think about the different people, different universes thing. But as soon as you said it, it started making me think, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And all I kept thinking was, oh, man, that would be so horrible if that's actually what's happening. Only for the fact that if that is actually the case... It is unfortunate because that is a possibility of a way to make the engagement occur, but the wedding not actually take place. Conveniently, Doomsday Clock will be ending sometime in late, well, it's going to be early 2019. So if they draw out the engagement for at least a year and a couple months, it's entirely possible that the wedding never happens because this, you know, Doomsday Clock comes into play and all the timelines get shifted and we find out that all these different versions of the characters have been existing. I will say, I I honestly can't say that it's completely far-fetched. I mean, honestly, there are plenty of points that have happened in the books in the last year and a couple months since Rebirth started where you have to wonder to yourself, there's certain characters that we know are from a different timeline, like the entire Kent family right now with Lois Lane and Clark Kent and John Kent, they are not from the same timeline as the majority of these other characters, but it doesn't seem like all of the other characters seem to have a real big issue with it. At least it's not being portrayed in any of the books. It's almost as if it existed, it's happening, but it's it's not really that big of a concern and nobody's really super concerned about everything else that's happening. Now, I don't read all the other DC books, so I can't sit here and say you know, proof positive that, you know, that's the case, but it does seem slightly odd that everybody is just okay with some of these other characters coming back. Wally West returns. I know that I'm sure there was some sort of reaction from Barry Allen in the pages of Flash, but again, I'm not reading Flash, so I can't say that, but I imagine there was something. I know in the pages of Titans, which I do read, there was a reaction to Wally coming back, and there was a reaction or explanation at least as to why all of the other team members forgot about Wally and forgot about it and they chalked it up to something having to do with abracadabra but the idea of different versions of or different people from different universes oof, uh, i mean and it, it it holds true with the idea of like why does catwoman and batman have different ideas of when exactly they first met each other like it, it's one of those things where you know uh jessica was doing some theories with uh a doomsday clock earlier in the year like basically for like the one year anniversary of dc universe rebirth and some of the things that she was coming up with as she was saying i was like some of this is like almost too good to be true where it, you know if it's if it's true it's almost like how come you didn't see this earlier and this is one of those situations i keep thinking to myself different people different universes and i just i cannot get the thought out of my mind and now for the next you know, until Doomsday Clock wraps up, that's all I'm going to be thinking about is, is this actually the case? Um, there was also a couple of people who have pointed out, uh, and I believe, Stella, you were one of them on Twitter, that Batman has been saying Herm in some of the issues. Um, and I don't know if the, yeah, Herm, H-R-M. Like, hmm. Did you say Herm? Was it you, Stella? I don't think it was, but it reminds me of the Justice League 
or no, maybe it was maybe it was Jessica then on Twitter, but somebody mentioned on Twitter, and I, I and it wasn't the first time I saw that either. And I thought to myself, "That's odd. Why is that popping up? That's a very strange thing." That one of the other places I've seen it is, I, I believe that's the same thing that Rorschach says is Herm. So yeah. Well, I mean, Batman, I mean, if he's not liking something, he'll do that. I don't know if either of you has seen Justice League Dark, the animated film, but, like, different things would go down or, like, some supernatural thing would happen right in front of him and then he would just go, or, you know, basically the Herm because he's not used to that sort of thing. So I don't know, but that'd be uh, really weird if it were Rorschach, but we'd have lots of things to talk about. Well, I I think kind of where I come down in all this is... What is the point of Doomsday Clock? We don't know. If what we were led to believe when Rebirth happened is taking the continuity that was cut down dramatically for the New 52, bringing that back to almost full term, I guess is the way to put it, and re-putting relationships back into the comics that were taken out due to the time crunch, then I think there is going to be some of this universe hopping. I do not want to see us collapse the multiverse dc tried that once it's a terrible idea the multiverse is part of the dc universe we have been playing with this though not just in this book it's not just what we deal with in batman wonder woman's been dealing with this i think you're reading one woman right dustin not right now no (gasps) dustin remember when the whole ruckus whole thing was she had two versions of her origin right were contradicting right so it was confusing I think this is just further going back to it. I think you've seen this concept in a lot of different books right now. Where did Wally West go? What happened to his time at The Flash if he was gone? How does Wonder Woman remember two totally different contradictory origin stories? Batman and Catwoman remember meeting in two different continuities. And there's other little Easter eggs thrown out. There's some in the the Green Arrow book, too. I would have to believe that these are all being crumbed out on purpose, and at some point they might all get fixed. I guess the point you really got to ask yourself is, what is Doomsday Clock here to do? Is it to put a cohesive vision of the universe back in place, blame it all on Dr. Manhattan, and we all move along? Or is it here to blow up the universe again and start us back into chaos? So I guess it just depends on what Mr. Johns has in in store for it. All right, so that's our only comment this time around, but uh, definitely definitely well done on that comment. I mean, if there's one comment to really contemplate it was it was definitely your comment stephanie so great on you i'm not going to go along with stella's insistence of calling you stephanie brown but stephanie brown (laughs) because a fictional character is not writing this show we've talked about this before that all being said this is the time of the podcast where i one want to thank our patreon uh supporters for the past month this includes lisa Jerry, no deuces, Ian, and Robert. Thank you also to the other members of our supporters on Patreon that support us at the lower levels as well. We greatly appreciate all of your support. I do want to mention just something right now. Between now and December, we are going to be holding a special giveaway contest for our Patreon supporters. If you support at any level from the $5 level or up, depending on where you support. So if you support at the $5 level, you basically, every month that you support at the $5 level, starting in October, then November and December, you will get basically the amount of money you support, you will get that many entries into a special contest that we are having for the holidays. As of right now, the total that we have for the giveaways 
exceeds $350. <gasps> this is going to be a number of different merchandise that is Batman related. There's an actual giant $100 Lego set that is part of this. It's actually the Lego Batman movie Batcave that will be included in this giveaway. There's also some books that have released from downtown bookworks, different variety of different books that feature Batman in them. There is a couple of DVDs or Blu-rays that have released over the past couple months, or the past year, I should say. There's a Hallmark ornament. There's actually a couple of McDonald's Lego Batman cups that were released as part of the Happy Meal promotion that they had earlier this year. <gasps> there's a number of items, and there's still items that will be added to the thing. I have some other companies that are going to be sending us some stuff, some actual toy companies that will be sending us some stuff for this giveaway. So anyway, my point is, if you support at any level from the five devil level up, you will be entered how much ever it is. So if you support $5, you'll get five entries for the giveaway for every month that you support for the potential three months. So if you give $5, you have for three months, you can get 15 entries into this giveaway if you give $25 a month for three months you'll get 75 entries obviously the more you support the more likely it is that you'll have a better chance of winning obviously that's not guaranteed now if you do support at the lower levels you will still get the an entry into the monthly giveaway that we still have that will still take place our supporters at the dollar levels and things like that they'll still have an opportunity to win the monthly giveaway as usual but the five dollar level or higher is where you will need to be supporting to get into the holiday giveaway contest sometime in mid-november once i actually have all the items that will be part of it i will post details on the site as far as what will be included in the giveaway but the idea is uh part of what we're trying to do is raise a little bit more money for the site as we get closer to our 10th anniversary like i said before we're trying to put together um, a complete revamp for the website and it's just a way to get a little bit of a drive towards raising some money so that we can actually accomplish getting the new version of the site done with new logos and all kinds of other cool stuff so that is what's happening right now so outside of that if you don't have the opportunity to share money with us you are more than welcome to share your talents with us unfortunately those won't get you entries into our giveaway but you will have the ability to have all kinds of unique benefits including reading comics ahead of time and things like that if you're supporting us by writing or unique articles or news helping out with the news sections and things like that so or if you have ideas of original articles that you'd like to write all it takes is on average about one to two articles per month of writing original articles and you can join our staff so if you are interested in that email me at tbu at thebatmuniverse.net if you are not interested in writing articles but have other talents that you'd like to help us out with whether it be video editing audio editing things like that you can still email me at tbu at thebatmuniverse.net and we can talk about the skills that you have that you might be able to share with tbu Outside of that, be sure to check out the website for all the latest news and editorials related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer. We have tons of podcasts posting every single week. In the coming weeks, there's new episodes of Back Cold to Oracle. Stella has a special episode for Halloween coming out. We also have another commentary releasing. Bat Books for Beginners is on every Friday that we don't have an episode. Bat Books for Beginners has a new episode, so be sure to check out all of those, as well as everything else that we have to offer so outside of that leave us reviews on itunes and of course leave us your comments on the website so that we can talk about those comments on the next episode with that that is everything for this episode this is dustin this is ed 
And this is Stella. You've been listening to the Batman vs. Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye.